This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from around the world with all the latest business and market news. And today, I'm delighted to say it is Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me, Johnny. Shall we start with US inflation, which jumped to its highest rate since way back in 2008, the rate up to 5% in May, that's up from 4.2% in April. And surprise, surprise, US stocks rallied on the news, which perhaps I wouldn't have expected a few weeks ago. Why was that? It was a fascinating release. I think that you had the knee-jerk reaction. There was a pop-up in yields. And and, and for, for maybe about a few seconds, uh, you know, this hot inflation read was uh, exciting investors that you were going to see the Fed be ready to, to start talking about tapering. But when you looked at the report and you saw that a good amount of those pricing pressures were from used car sales, uh, and it, it started to look more like this report is being pumped up on supply chain issues, pent up spending. I can't emphasize the, the used car uh, component though. Um, this market is, is just really unbelievable. Um, I, I have a, a friend who has a, a Honda Odyssey and he bought it used a few months, a couple months ago and uh, the dealership called him back asking to, uh, for him to sell it back to him at a profit. That's how, that's how demand wow. these, these used wow, cars. Wow, that, that is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to go into the car business. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and this is not this is not uh, like doggy coins or Doge coins. This is a uh, real <laughs> something that you can uh, own. Real stuff. It's real stuff. Yes. Yeah. So so there there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of belief though that you know the chip shortage is going to go away and car prices will normalize um, closer to the end of the year. Uh, and that completely supports the Fed's stance that this is going to be transitory. Uh, so, so I think you're going to see that in investors, for the most part, they're viewing this this uh, inflation report as is definitely hot, but not really, uh, you know, changing the Fed's ultra accommodative stance. And what complemented this inflation report was that. Um, uh, across the pond, uh, we also had the ECB have their policy decision. And it, it turns out that it looks like the ECB is, is pretty much aligned with the Fed. And they're going to be keeping this stimulus flowing a lot longer. Uh, so I think that the bond buying is going to be accelerated by the ECB. And what, what, what we're starting to see, um, you know, the, 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 the way the market was positioned a couple months ago was that you're going to have, you know, all the advanced economies move well in advance of the Fed and uh, that you're going to have those rate height expectations be a lot sooner for for the ECB especially. And that's not happening. And what this has done, um, this has really killed FX volatility uh, where the uh, three month uh, dollar index uh, waiting um, right now we're seeing. Um, volatility is is at um, at the lowest levels in over a year, and uh, this is all because we 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 don't have that clarity as far as when the Fed will will um, you know queue up the tapering and 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 guess what we're going to need to see a couple more 
inflation reports and non-farm payrolls to to get a better better handle on that so it looks like for now the market is convinced inflation is transitory and until you know we we learn more from the fed um you know that that's how the market's going to be positioned that's why we're still um, you know, hovering at those record highs and we're we're probably not going to see uh too much uh stock market weakness because i think um, you know, this ultra accommodative stance is not going away anytime soon. And, and that's great for risky assets. The optimism continues. That's despite some slightly dodgy non-farm payroll figures over the last couple of months. And then we've had this inflation report. How do we know that the markets aren't just pretending things are OK? Well, I, I think the greatest show on, on Wall Street right now is the Fed. And I mean, they're giving us the playbook. They're 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 buying more treasuries and mortgage-backed securities than, than is needed. And, and uh, that's suppressing treasury yields. I mean, the, the real yield is, is still closer to negative 1%. Uh, people are, are not going to be um, <laughs> willing to lose money. So they're, I think you're, you're seeing the incentive to, to, to keep it in equities is elevated. And uh, the Biden administration is likely to have, you know, a few more trillion pumped into the economy with infrastructure spending. So it looks like the cyclical rotation trade is, is going to, to come back. You know, recently the NASDAQ's outperformed because treasury yields have tanked. Um, but uh, I, I think you you can't make a strong argument that stocks are are going to um, have to to have a significant pullback and that's why we're stubbornly high and uh you know i think uh, for for much of wall street you know there there's this belief that even when the fed does taper and the the, the fear is well we have the 2013 taper tantrum you're, you're not going to see the the same sell-off that we saw back then and uh, i think you're going to have probably um, a market that is looking to buy any taper tantrum that is is, is delivered. And, and there's still this belief that U.S. growth exceptionalism is going to be strong. U.S. economy might grow 8% this year, 5% next year. That's great for valuations. That's great for earnings. So I think people are people are not going to easily be swayed to, to, to stay on the sidelines for stocks. Now, we don't often talk about El Salvador in these podcasts, Ed, but it has become the first country to approve Bitcoin as legal currency. How significant is it? It will be a historic moment for the Bitcoin world. Bitcoin was on the verge of breaking below 30,000 before this news broke. And, um, you know, currently Bitcoin is closer to 37,000. This this was a game changer. there, there has uh, been this uh, struggle for Bitcoin to to make progress with uh, mainstream acceptance, or more, you know, actually having people use Bitcoin. And uh, El Salvador's decision to make it legal tender uh, is really triggering uh, a wave of optimism that now you you have a country that has completely embraced Bitcoin. This is going to uh, attract a whole wave of crypto entrepreneurs you're 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 the reason why is because if it's legal tender then well if it's legal tender you don't have to pay taxes so you're going to have a lot of people that are going to uh, set up shop in el salvador and what this is going to do this is going to spur a race across latin america the main reason why you know the el salvador decision you know seemed logical was 
the cash economies like El Salvador and across most of uh, South America you are heavily um, um, dependent on um, tr you know international transfers of money and and a lot of times they're paying somewhere around 10% and with Bitcoin that goes away uh, so so you you have a strong case for um, um, you know adopting uh, a Bitcoin uh, and and I, I think you're you're probably going to have other countries be pressured to act quickly because they don't want if if El Salvador becomes you know a, a crypto hub um, you know th this is going to attract you know millions and possibly billions of dollars to uh, um, you know a, a fairly uh, weak developing nation so you're going to see the the pressure be on for others to to follow El Salvador's lead and and uh, this is really exciting a lot of uh, I think crypto crypto traders because this is showing that bitcoin is not going away this is that uh, this is really uh, changing that use uh, case argument and uh, i think right now um you know as as uh, everyone becomes fixated on well what's the regulatory hurdles between you know the us europe and china um well bitcoin is 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 uh you know you know uncovering a a nice opportunity here and i think you're going to have a lot of people be uh fairly optimistic that uh this is just going to lead to more opportunities and uh, in the meantime uh bitcoin is the bitcoin mining council which is headed by uh, MicroStrategies, uh, Michael Saylor, and, and Tesla's Elon Musk—they're—they're they're going to help address those environmental concerns, the carbon footprint issue, uh, and uh, that is something that um, once that is alleviated, then you, you'll probably see some corporate America, some of corporate America become more willing to, uh, um, you know, dabble with cryptocurrencies again. Because right now, Wall Street has pretty much shunned Bitcoin, and uh, so I think uh, the future. Is looking a little bit better than it was two weeks ago. So as we stand, what is the Bitcoin price at the moment? Bitcoin is up today at thirty-seven thousand. Okay, so it's made a bit of a recovery. Okay, let's move on, shall we, and talk about oil. The EIA crude oil inventory report showed a bit of optimism, didn't it? Thinks it's going to have a pickup in demand. Uh, very much so. So I think when when it comes to oil demand, I think you know the the people that know the most are the refiners. And uh, that oil inventory report, um, what was really I think surprising was uh, you know there was the the, the big headline draw, uh, but when you saw the the gasoline and uh, uh, distillates inventories, that really surprised everyone. Uh, there was a uh, uh, a uh, 7 million barrel build for gasoline inventories and 4.4 uh, for distillates. That's showing you that refiners know this is going to be an amazing summer driving season. Uh, they're, they're ramping up their production. They are positioning themselves confidently that uh, we're going to have uh, tremendous demand. Uh, and uh, they're just trying to make sure that they have the, the appropriate inventories ahead of time. So, so I think... You know, the headline drop was 5 million, 5.2 million barrels, which was greater than expected. And uh, initially, uh, you know, it, it was a mixed report because of that, you know, big, big surge in, in, in uh, inventories with gasolines. But uh, I think you're going to see that um, this market is there's so much pent up demand. The travel season, the bookings are, are really intense. Uh, it, ticket prices are up now 16 percent, I think, year over year. 
there, there's this optimism that uh, every American wants to travel, wants to, uh, if you bought a new car, if you bought a used car and paid a, an inflated price, you are going to want to use it and take advantage of it. So I think this is going to be a very busy travel season. And uh, that speaks wonders for the uh, for oil prices. And and right now, you know, oil is uh, dealing with the uh, potential return of uh, Iranian output as uh, nuclear deal talks continue. And uh, it seems that um, once once uh, that is is uh, clarified, uh, you know, we, we we could see an initial dip. But I think still, uh, you know, the consensus is still for much more higher prices uh, later this year for oil. And, and that's. That's, uh, I think, uh, one of the, the key commodity stories that we've seen. Um, you know, we had a super commodity cycle about a month ago. And, you know, since then, lumber's come down. Copper's come down. It's not a one-way trade anymore. And right now, oil is, is definitely one of the outperformers. Okay, Ed, before we let you go, let's have a preview to the next few days over the next uh, week or so. What should we look out for? Well, I, I think uh, next week, um, I, the, you know, the... the the two big main events we we have the the Fed. I think the the Fed is is uh, likely to yield a a little bit more optimistic tone on the economy and uh, uh, the the beginning of taper discussions. We'll see how the market reacts to that. I think that uh, you know just looking at some of the positioning, it looks like uh, you know the, the 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 rising Treasury yields. Uh, um, that's been a, a, a difficult trade to, to navigate through, but uh, I think you're going to see uh, there's going to be ups upside here for Treasury yields um, once we're beyond that meeting. Uh, but uh, I think the other main event is, is the uh, Iran nuclear talks. They're going to kick off over the weekend, and uh, that, that that's huge because that's going to really determine exactly... Uh, um, you know, you know, are we talking about $80 Brent by the end of next week or, <laughs> um, do we, do we pull back a little bit? And, uh, if let's say, uh, um, no deal is reached and, uh, the Iran presidential elections, uh, later in that week, see, uh, another hardliner, uh, there could be a case that, uh, you could see, uh, um, you know, this oil rally um, just accelerate. So, so that, that's, those are the two top ones. Uh, Bank of Japan, not really much expected from them. Turkey, also another rate decision. They're going to keep policy steady, which, um, you know, will not please President Erdogan. Uh, and uh, I, I think you're, I think Norway also has a, a policy decision too. They're, they're likely to, to, you know, signal that uh, they're, they're ready to tighten probably in September. Um, and, uh, but, um, for the, for the most part, uh, though, it's, it's markets are, are going to be fixated on the fed and, uh, that's going to be the main event. Um, but, and then also to G7 is, is, and we're going to have lots of talks between the EU and the U S. So, um, you know, the geopolitical uh, headlines will be plentiful. Um, but I think uh, next week is all about the fed. Ed, have a wonderful weekend and we'll speak to you same time next week. Thank you so much. The Oanda Podcast.